Rachel Hampton. And I'm Candace Slim, and you're listening to ICYMI. In case you missed it. Slate's podcast about internet culture. And Rachel, do you smell that? Smell what? In the studio, there's like something different here. Something, oh, it's really ringing my bells. What is that? Candace, please don't make me talk about Timmy and Kylie at the U.S. Open. I can't. I can't do it anymore. I I promise you I won't, but no, that's not it. Okay. Okay. That's not it. Is it the new Olivia Rodrigo album? The new Avril Lavigne album, as some people are saying. Ooh, very close, because that is bangers up and down the CD tower. But no, I think think it's something more insidious than that. Mm, mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think I know what you're talking about. It's pumpkin spice latte season. <gasps> yes. There you go. We figured it out. Now, I feel like everyone has their own personal mark of fall because it is also the death of summer. So it's sad, but kind <laughs> of happy. I mean, for me, I know it's fall because Caitlin Covington, she's that Christian girl autumn person. She'll post on Instagram with the red orange trees and the cable knit sweater and the knee high boots. Like when she posts, that's how I know it's time to hit the pumpkin patch. But Rachel, what is your marker of fall's arrival? So I am a basic bitch and I mark my seasons by the weather. Sure. So basically the moment I can start doing my Princess Diana outfit every single day of the week, which is, of course, big, oversized hoodie, Uh small bike shorts. Mm -hmm. That's how I mark my seasons. I'm like, is it spring? Is it fall? Can I princess die my way up and down the street? Mm -hmm. And I can't do that yet. So it's not fall yet. (laughs) But I think a lot of people would say that Starbucks coming out with their pumpkin spice latte is the equivalent of like the Hunger Games cannon firing, marking Mm. the death of another tribute. This Mm. tribute is the summer. Like... (laughs) When I see millennials bopping around with their little pumpkin spice lattes, even getting it iced because it's now released in August, which is Mm -hmm. definitely summer. Mm -hmm. But it's game on for those people. Yeah, this is their Super Bowl. And look, I personally, not a PSL person. But I have to admit, I have recently become obsessed with these things called Starbucks Cafe vlogs. Do you know about this? I do not. I can guess what's happening, but tell me what's happening. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. So I have been watching this YouTube channel called Twin Album. It is a channel run by twins. And at least one of them works at a Starbucks and they will post these like, come work with me at Starbucks vlogs where they will like show you everything they do from like opening to unboxing the paninis to making a venti shaken espresso sub white mocha and sweet cream. Oh my God. There's a lot going on here. It feels kind of like ASMR in a way, like the milk steaming, the bean grinding. Like there's a reason people like to work in coffee shops. There's this really nice background white noise of it all. Yeah, that is super true. And by the way, like a lot of people post Starbucks barista vlogs probably because they're simple and you literally just like post up an iPhone right near the syrups and there you go, you have content. Plus, they're already working. So it's kind of like a two for one. But I think what draws me into these videos is just how soothing it is because 
I'm pretty sure that if you blindfolded me and made a little Starbucks stop on the way, I would know exactly where I am. <laughs> I know how that milk steamer sounds. I always, always know how that burnt coffee smells. Even the mm. doors to me always kind of sound the same. There's just something about the replicability and that synonymous way every single Starbucks feels, sounds, smells the same. Therefore, like when I watch this vlog, I feel like I'm at my Starbucks, which is probably the same as your Starbucks. Mm-hmm. I mean, unfortunately, that is what is so comforting about chains in America mm-hmm. and now outside of America because global capitalism. They have no sense of kind of place-specific personality, which means that while Starbucks is technically Seattle-inflected, it's now just a name that means that no matter where I am in the world, Paris London, (laughs) Puerto Rico. (laughs) I can get my soy hazelnut latte while Landon Pig sings Fong in Love in a Coffee Shop Mm. in the background, which is Mm -hmm. great for me personally because sometimes it's the only place we can get alternative milk and I am lactose intolerant. Right. But it sucks for people who love the individuality of a place before it became a franchise and that identity gets sanded down and focus scripted by our not-so-benevolent corporate overlords. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, like, here's another thing. I think there's also this, like, tutorial side to these videos because usually in these vlogs, they will tell you, like, oh, to make this caramel macchiato, I'm going to use this much milk, this much syrup. Here's how I do the caramel drip on the side of the cup. Like, they kind of teach you how to do their job, and the benefit of that is, like, oh, I could make that caramel macchiato at home without paying four fifty five. Great. In a weird way... I also think these are kind of like modern day job training videos. Like you could show a few of these vlogs to an employee and they could probably hit the ground running because if I'm sitting here in my room saying, oh yeah, I could make that strawberries and cream frappuccino, then why can't you? That makes so much sense, but... Where are you going that your caramel macchiato is only four fifty? <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I haven't adjusted for inflation. That's my bad. That's my bad. <laughs> <laughs> but no, you're so right. And um, I think training videos have kind of become a lost art, or at least I have never encountered a training video in any of my jobs besides the like here's how not to sexually harass your colleagues, which just feels like a life training video. Right. But our friend, Natish Pawa, has also been thinking about the kind of lost art of training videos. Natish recently wrote a piece for Slate.com called Inside the Deranged World of Vintage Fast Food Training Videos. And it's about the wild, sometimes kind of well done artistic videos that companies like Jack in the Box or McDonald's would make their employees watch in like the 80s and the 90s. Natish is kind of obsessed with these and we're obsessed with knowing more. So when we come back, we're going to have Natish join us for a conversation about flipping patties and beefing up your grill skills. Mm -hmm. All that and more after the break. Hey there, listeners. Hope you're enjoying today's show. If this is your first time listening, then welcome. We are thrilled to have you here. In case you missed it, our show comes out twice a week on Wednesdays and Saturdays. So make sure you never miss an episode like this past Saturday's on green powders and whether they're doing what they claim they will. 
And we're back with Natish Pawa. He's a business and tech writer for Slate.com and a frequent guest of ICYMI. Hello, Natish. Welcome back. Hello, Rachel and Candice. So happy to be back. You've contributed some really, really fun pieces to Slate's Fast Food Week. And I highly recommend everyone check out Natisha's oral history of the song, Combination Pizza Hut and Taco Bell. But (laughs) you also wrote a really great piece that we're going to talk about today. It's called Inside the Deranged World of Vintage Fast Food Training Videos. It is a deranged world. I I didn't (laughs) lie with that title. You did not. And it's a beautiful, beautiful title. Before we kind of dive into that deranged world, I want to ask, Natish, have you ever worked at a fast food place? Have you been behind the counter of a McDonald's or a Jack in the Box? You know, I actually haven't, which is maybe why these videos hold so much fascination for me in part. I've definitely done like the sort of drudgy behind the counter stuff or like, you know, I volunteered at a science center in high school and was mainly cleaning up after kids. But no, I did not have to deal with like, I mean, I had friends who worked at McDonald's, Burger King, all of them, and every story they told me would be worse than the preceding one. So I wanted to stay <laughs> far away. Well, Natish, let's dive in. I want to start by asking, how did you get the idea to write this piece? Like, how did it come to you? Yeah, so my editor, Jonathan L. Fisher, he was the man behind uh, Fast Food Week. And he came to me and was like, hey, uh, I think I want to do this. Do you have any ideas? And so I suggested a few. Um, There's still others in there that I would love to get to someday. But yeah, I this has been a fascination of mine for a long time, these videos. I mean, Something my roommate and I often like to do is, you know, smoke up, go down the YouTube rabbit hole. And of course, we ended up uh, with a ton of fast food train videos. And we were just left gobsmacked by so many of them. And I obviously thought about them again when Fast Food Week ideas started coming around. So I was like, okay, look, you got to watch these videos. They are wild. They are amazing. And everyone needs to see these. And thankfully, uh, Jonathan was very into the idea. Okay, I think it's time to really get into the specifics of these videos. Let's start off with Jack in the Box, which is one of the first videos you describe in your piece, and which was a real fixture of my childhood in Texas. That little American cheese slice and the weird little crunchy taco. This is a training video from the 80s, and this is something they would show to new hires on their very first day. You describe this video as Alfred Hitchcockian in a way. Tell us what's going on here and what strikes you the most about it. So this is a video from the early 80s where You've got some guy, I assume like a jack-in-the-box executive or something. I don't know. He's just such a generic-looking guy, it would be impossible for me to identify. He like turns to the camera and is like, you know, I learned from this safety film, and I hope you do too. And then we just get into full cinematic mode. Coming soon to a jack-in-the-box store near you. Deadly. 
There's your classic raising violins, trumpets. There's all sorts of lightning screams. They, they, they pull out the works. They did, they did not uh, skimp on the budget here. You got to give them credit. <laughs> but yeah, basically, the deadly dangers that we encounter throughout are just like, for the most part, pretty regular things you'd expect to maybe go awry at a fast food job. Like, you know, at the kitchen, the back door is left open and, you know, there's probably some employees out for a smoke break or something, but they don't show that. And their whole thing is, well, if you leave it open, there's this big looming shadow that's coming right in. Who knows who that could be? You better close that door right now. And then our um, video subject uh, happily closes the door quickly. Then we got someone else who uh, is very cocky. He's walking on a floor, a colleague is mopping. She warns him to be careful, and he's like, nah, I'm good. And then, of course, what happens, but he slips and falls right on his back. We just go through more examples of this stuff in the kitchen or in the restaurant in general that's going to mess you up if you don't watch out. I watched this video, and there's a few things that struck me about it. The first one, all these people doing all their own stunts. Like, they are falling downstairs. They are slipping (laughs) on oil. I really hope these people got workers' comp. But second, there is this, like, horror film-esque music kind of bedded underneath this entire training video. It's meant to build suspense and fear and all those negative connotations. My whole thing is, if you made a horror film about working at Jack in the Box, wouldn't you want to not work at Jack in the Box? (laughs) That is an excellent question. I think maybe that's why this is a training video instead of a wider promotional one. They're like, well, uh, you're here now. This isn't all uh, fun and games for your son or job. This is really serious stuff and it's dangerous. Then again, if you think about it from the perspective of fast food executives, what is it they're, they famously love to do is scare and prod and deprive their employees into just doing everything they can to like, you know, basically just stay on their toes, be efficient at all times. It's not healthy, but it's definitely there. That is very true. And it reminds me of something that kind of really came through in your piece, which is that these training videos are like very good time capsules of the 70s and 80s, which makes sense because of the equipment and the furniture and the camera quality we're working with here. There's something very Reagan-esque about Mm -hmm. these videos. You say they're Orwellian in a way. And so I'm curious as to what you mean by that and what it is about the kind of nostalgic vibe that these videos capture that got you into this rabbit hole. So I think the first video that really kind of highlighted this factor to me of like the coerce your workers basically (laughs) into doing uh, what you think they need to do was there's a McDonald's training video from the early 70s where they have a custom song for it that's very well produced. It's crazy. Like there are like these choral harmonies. There's a whole like orchestral background flutes and such. The greatest gift is the smile you give to your brother. So this song is just playing for the first few minutes. No explanation, no other context. And you're like, going through like a typical day at a McDonald's restaurant. And like, 
everyone there is smiling and beaming at each other, worker to customer, customer to customer, worker to worker. And it's just like depicted as this happy, bustling place where everyone is kind to each other and treats one another just so considerately. And I mean, obviously, we know that that's not the case. If you ever walk into a McDonald's, especially a big city McDonald's, that's like (laughs) one of the most miserable places you will ever encounter in this country. Mm -hmm. But it's just this such sunny blast of optimism, which is very much like, you know, the sort of Reaganite thesis, you know, shining city on a hill, morning is here in America again. And the way this comes out is that the thesis of the video basically is, look, you're going to have customers who are rude to you and they're going to say all sorts of things or be snippy or they're going to take a while with their order and you're going to feel impatient, understandably. You're going to feel frustrated and mad. And then they go through all these scenarios where the different cooks and cashiers and drive through folks and others are just like, They're very rude to the customers in turn. What it eventually comes down to is you got the McDonald's exec himself coming in and saying, look, when you're in this situation, you can't react. What you have to do is smile and see what happens is when you smile, it's contagious. And and they really emphasize this word contagious. They like put up the text on the screen at one point, you know, smiling is contagious. And so If you smile, no matter what the customer is doing, then even the customer will also smile. And then the customer will smile at others and everyone's in a good mood and everyone's happy. And that's because of you, because you smiled. And the song that's playing in the background throughout, the lyrics are basically, the greatest gift is the smile you give to your brother. There's definitely a sort of not so hidden threat underneath that If you're not the smiley type, your job is just going to be more miserable than it needs to be. And it's going to be your fault. (sighs) (sighs) Gosh, let's talk about just McDonald's because their trading videos don't stop here. Natish, you brought up some of their other cinematic masterpieces. So in the 80s and 90s, it kind of looks like McDonald's was starting to cast celebrities in their training videos. So for example, in 1982, Jim Lovell, he's a NASA astronaut. He popped into a training video to compare working at McDonald's to successfully launching a space shuttle. Mm. And then in 1992, they brought in Michael Jordan to compare playing basketball to working at a McDonald's. Now you'll probably wonder, what does Michael Jordan know about satisfying the customer? Well, let me tell you, when I step onto the basketball court, those 18,000 screaming people aren't just fans. They are my customers. And I just find this so funny because these are not commercials. These are not supposed to bring customers in. You don't need a big name to tell you how to fry my McNugget. And yet these are just like in-house training videos only for employees. So I just wanted to ask, what is your take on these like celebrity in-house training videos? And do you think they're actually good? Like, did they really need Michael Jordan to tell them what to do? Man, I mean, I don't think they needed to Mm -hmm. at all but i'm sure that 
part of the thinking behind this was, look, we're McDonald's. We're cool. We can get these celebrities. You know, maybe they'll come to a branch near you if you're good. You know, pat, little pat on the head. Mm-hmm. And um, it feels sort of condescending. Like, look, at this very famous, very capable human being who has physical and mental smarts like beyond your simple comprehension are telling you to get in shape for your McDonald's job, then what are you going to do but get in shape for your McDonald's job? And I mean, these two people in particular, you know, Michael Jordan and Jim Lovell, especially at those times, like these are not people you'd say no to, you know, if they told you anything. <laughs> like they, these are some of like the biggest, most celebrated names in the country, especially at those, you know, in the 80s and 90s, respectively. And I definitely don't think it was needed, like whatever money McDonald's shelled out on this was not money well spent. But then again, they would also rather not put that money toward actually paying their workers more. Condescending is kind of the perfect word for it because my thought watching it would be, you can afford to get Michael Jordan, but you can't afford to pay me $3 more an hour. Like, Mm -hmm. I really feel like the distribution of economics here is not exactly what I signed up for. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah, I definitely don't know, like, in the year 2023, who like executives or like bureaucrats think these videos are for and whom they're convincing. Like you're in the early nineties, you know, this is a very pretty pre widespread internet age. You know, you probably watch a uh, Michael Jordan on your TV every so often. And that's uh, all you get of him. And then all of a sudden he's in this McDonald's video, like, okay, I, I, I get it. Sure. That, that can seem exciting. You know, there's a scarcity factor there, but In any other context, like, we're all basically online in different ways, and we're all oversaturated with stuff anyway. We could could probably dial down the pomp a little bit. Yeah, and we're going to take a quick pause, but when we come back, we're going to play more deranged training videos and ask what these corporations are trying to say about the role of the fast food worker. All that and more after the break. And we're back. Tish, one of the companies you point out in your piece that really fascinated me was Wendy's, which despite the fact that their logo is a little redheaded white girl has apparently been using predominantly black music genres in their training videos and marketing materials forever, which is still ongoing because in 2018, they released a mixtape. Uh, <laughs> for reasons that are still unknown to me and to any rational person. But you bring up a training video about grilling and Wendy's. And I just, I just want you to talk to us about this video. What's going on here? And most importantly, why? Yeah, this is one of my favorites. And I think this is a general (laughs) internet favorite too. Man, it involves in so many words, um, a Wendy's trainee put in a training tape into a VCR thanks to their manager. But then this uh, VCR starts to like, smoke and dust up a little bit and there's this uh, sunglasses guy who comes right out like his head fuzzy floating you know this is the 80s he's coming out and he's like all right i'm gonna just pull you into this uh, tv screen and i'm going to rap at you for a long time about how to grill properly 
Now working the grill, Bill, it ain't so tough. But first of all, you got to check your stuff. Like a grill that's set at 250. With the meat and cheese that's ready to go. A towel to keep your station looking cool. But most of all, you got to have your tool. And they get this guy to, yeah, rap about all the various things you do to prepare your food on the grill. The lyrics are very detailed, so you can imagine they don't exactly fit super well with the beat. But, you know, I mean, what's a little bit of rhythm for efficiency? So this rapping Duke mentions that once you throw down these patties onto the grill, they are going to start to shrink. And after he mentions that they're going to start to shrink once they hit that grill, <laughs> who else sings but the patties themselves who grow eyes and lips and earrings all like 2D animated. And they start to sing about how we start to shrink when we hit that grill. You know we will. We start shrinking. And the guy appropriately rubs his eyes after the fact as if he can't believe what he saw. And like, truthfully, I definitely can't either. Mm -hmm. But we just move on from this. You know, it's not really ever addressed again. The fact that the Patties just started singing. Yeah, you then move on from there to like, you know, hey, here's how you manage the grill after the fact. Here's how you clean it and set it right and make sure that you get it set back up for the next job done. And then the kid gets sucked back out out of the TV. Um, He's ready to start his job at Wendy's manning the grill. And he's got a bunch of other Wendy's employees this time with him. They're all at their individual jobs, the beat changes up. It's much more of like a guitar heavy funk beat. And mm. they're all singing about having a uh, grill skills uh, and <laughs> two words that uh, mm. pop up quite a bit um, on screen throughout. And yeah, I mean, I can't say I learned many grill skills from this. I don't think, but you know, I, I did learn a lot else, like just about the lengths they're willing to go to make a training video seem hip in the early 80s when rap is starting to boom. (laughs) I mean, it's just really funny, too, because last video that we wanted to bring up with you, you called, quote, an especially deranged video. And it's from Hardee's. For those on the West Coast like me, and this is the same people who own Carl's Jr. Please tell us about this especially deranged video. Why are we talking about Covington, Virginia? Because we have a Hardee's here in Covington, Virginia, that is the best Hardee's in America. Like out of all the 300 or so Hardee's restaurants back then, this is the single best one. And how did they get there? Hardee's of Covington, Virginia is run by senior general manager, Tammy Nickel. In January of 1992, Tammy and her crew beat out over 300 competitors to win the prestigious Carlton Knoll Award as the best restaurant in the Body Knoll organization. They don't really say there was apparently some competition where every Hardee's earned a certain number of points. There was a semifinal 
around for them too, where like executives apparently personally came out to each of these 10 Hardys, checking out these restaurants to see which one was the best one. And this Covington branch got, I guess out of 130 points you could get to rank among the best Hardys, they got 127 points. And why? Well, it's because they have this uh, manager, name is Tammy, who is shown to be determined to win the Hardys contest from jump. And I mean, she does it. She gets all the personal plaudits from everybody. You know, you got like her coworkers talking about the values that this Hardys has and holds to. We see Tammy in action, managing. We then get a visit from the mayor who comes around and talks about how this is such a great honor for Covington, Virginia. Okay, so this is really interesting because I think this video kind of buttons a bit of the arc I was kind of seeing in your lineage. So like starting from the horror film, there is something about the guy in the beginning wearing a suit. I'm going to assume he is like a corporate person now saying like, I watch this video, you should too. And there's starting to be this condescending of like us versus you. And then you kind of trace it through like the singing beef patties and this idea of like this is so fun look at our culture it's so fun to be here to be part of something and then you get to tammy and this whole thing is about look how great tammy is look how great you can be wouldn't it be so wonderful if you devoted 18 years of your life to this place and became the general manager and got your own video too like in a weird way she was the michael jordan of this hardy's place she was the celebrity that's supposed to be the ideal worker in a way and that is so interesting to me because like now we're getting into the darker side I guess of maybe these videos which is devotion and loyalty like do any of those themes kind of ring out to you a little bit like do you see or feel that underlying any of these oh a hundred a hundred percent it's this ask from these big companies and you know franchise leaders and stuff like look uh you got to devote yourself to this job because this job is only so good as how motivated you are, how much you smile. And look, if you do well, we will give you all these other sorts of goodies. You know, we'll have a celebrity on a video for you. We'll give you a little plaque at some ceremony for our made up contest. We'll do, you know, all these sort of things, except, you know, like, pay you a living wage and allow you to unionize and allow you to get actual like benefits and things like workers comp, health insurance, et cetera, et cetera. Like I said in the piece, you know, if there's one thing that I think basically everybody knows about fast food ever since it became a thing in this cursed country is that, you know, the workers are treated horribly, just Horribly, universally, especially at these bigger name places like Burger King, Wendy's, McDonald's. And this goes to everything from just everyday scheduling workloads to actual compensation to raises and paths to, you know, development, paths to grow. Yeah, none of this is offered it's all given to you as an individualized superhero effort. And if you make the most of this, then, hey, we'll acknowledge you and we'll put you as an example to others. Because I think there is something that 
people generally love about that, right? Especially in a very doggy dog era, which I think you can definitely categorize the Reagan years as that, whether in Wall Street or in fast food. It's like, look, it's upon you to strive and do your best and hustle, you know, that this is definitely a hustle cultural forerunner, you know, up to the top. And you get there also by doing better than others and then being put in charge of them and then imposing those rules upon them as you go your way to the top. It's all about like competition and domination. And yes, there is like a little bit of community aspect to it, you know, given to some of these videos where it's like, yeah, smile at your coworkers. You're working as a team. This is all a house that you all collectively manage. But ultimately, it's not a community that's there for any purpose other than the next waiting customer. And if you all aren't fully devoted to this customer, you guys have fucked up. You got to get it together or you got to put that smile on. Like, we don't care what you make of your current situation. You can get to a better place and buy a better place, a place where you can dominate over others by following our instructions. And the way you follow our instructions is to be just a complete nice worker drone. For all the individualized focus of this, it almost like, excises all individuality, right? Like basically all workers are expected to be the same, running around, you know, perfectly paced, smiling, uniform, you know, looking like they're having the best time. And I mean, again, if there's one thing we all know about fast food restaurants, it is that this is almost never the case. Something that I wanted to ask you about was the kind of culture of I guess the people who like watch these videos I'm curious (laughs) as you were watching them was there anything that kind of brought together like people in the comments or like some a line between like the people who would upload these videos like you mentioned that YouTube for all of its issues is an archive I doubt that we would be able to watch these videos if YouTube didn't exist no it's uh, absolutely fascinating I mean I really gotta hand it to all the channel admins, moderators here, you know, they all have something in their descriptions usually about how they just found this old VHS at like a thrift store or, you know, sort of like a bargain basement sale and they were interested in it. So they took it, they found that this was, you know, kind of wild and maybe they've had it for decades. Maybe they only recently uncovered it, but then they digitize it and upload it for our consumption. And it's really fascinating to see how people online like interact with and like see, you know, these videos. I mean, I'm grateful again to these people who take the time to upload them. I mean, I'm sure it's not easy. One, two, I think it's useful for us to get those like peel back looks at what these workplaces were actually like back then and what they're like even now, because So much of fast food is so secretive and it's always taken like, you know, these big like investigative books or like documentaries to uncover different aspects of the industry. And it's so fun 
to see how people respond, one, from both the experiential perspective and two, also just like engaging with the video on its own terms. There are a lot of people who will be in the comments like, oh, yeah, you know, I worked at McDonald's in the 90s or 80s or I worked at Arby's at this time period. And this was this basically matches up with my experience or this is very similar to the kind of training videos I've seen and so on. And it's like one, it's like interesting to have that confirmation and see also how widespread these types of videos were like were they regional or were they national and a lot of the ki- and a lot of time they were national they went to every single like restaurant so you could see how widespread this influence were and how clearly like these stuck with these people because they remember them all these years later they can watch the video on youtube and identify it i think that really says something as to how these videos are made and received. And then, yeah, I mean, you have a lot of people who, you know, who otherwise are more like me, just like curious about what these videos entail, you know, who these people are. And I think there's just such a open world that's, you know, that you can see from these videos and you can try to like think about and puzzle through, you know, what were the circumstances behind this? You know, why, are we, you know, here, what Wendy's meeting, you know, spurred the idea for, okay, animated patties, singing. All right, that is the show. We'll be back in your feed on Saturday. So please subscribe. It's the best way to never miss an episode to never miss a training video. Maybe next time we'll be training you. And what? Don't know yet. Please leave a rating and review on Apple or Spotify and tell your friends about us. You can follow us on Twitter at ICYMI underscore pod, which is also where you can DM us your questions like grill skills, question mark, question mark, question mark. And you can always drop us a note at ICYMI at slate.com. ICYMI is produced by Sierra Spragley Ricks, Rachel Hampton, and me, Candace Lim. Daisy Rosario is our senior supervising producer. And Alicia Montgomery is Slate's vice president of audio. See you online. Or behind the grill.